You're listening to How to Do Everything. Baseball started this week, and that means that players had to choose their walk-up song. That That's the song that plays in, in the stadium uh, right before the, the batter takes a swing. Good job, Ian. That's where they get revved up about to bat. Tony Sanchez is a backup catcher for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So, Tony, uh, can you just tell us what, what you chose for your walk-up song this season? You know, um, I decided to take the untraditional route. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, I was watching the movie Frozen, and I saw it twice. You know, it just, <laughs> it just dawned on me, like, let it go. And, you know, I've watched, listened to the song in my car, and I've had, I, I roll all the windows down and blast the music, and, and, you know, people are looking at me and laughing, and I've got kids dancing with me in the car next to me and stuff. Yeah. And it all hit me. I'm like, well, this would be a beautiful walkout song. Well, so, Tony, tell us about that song and what it means to you then, because it's it's kind of like the, the turning point in the movie when Elsa embraces her power and builds her, her <laughs> castle. You. You're a professional, you're a pro fo- Frozen fan. Oh, I got, I got kids. <laughs> yeah, big turning point in the movie. I don't think it has any significance toward the team or towards our season. No, I just did it because Idina Mandel has a beautiful voice. Yep, she Why does. Not? Why not have a... 40,000 people screaming, let it go before you're at that. Nothing gets me locked in more than that. Have you, uh, what do you, what do your uh, teammates think about this choice? Uh, they're not huge fans. A lot of them ask me, like, don't you want something more upbeat? Don't you want something that fires you up? And, you know, my answer is always like, yeah, that, that song does fire me up, dude. <laughs> I think this is great, Tony, because I, that's the kind of song that, that you're right, it's a good song, but if I were to listen to it on Spotify, Chances are people on Facebook would see Mike is listening to Let It Go by Adina Manzel. Oh, yeah. yeah, I've had a I've, I've had no, I have no shame. There's no I have no worries about my Spotify being linked to my Facebook and people seeing the album. There's a lot of songs on that album that I jam out to. Yeah, what are some other ones? Cuz I'm with you. Um I think uh, Love is an Open Door is a great song. Oh my god, what a jam. <laughs> Love that song. Yeah. Uh, there's another one. There's another one, too, that I really, really love. Right so, uh, Hold on. It's, it is maybe weird to for me to share my inner monologue uh, on a radio show, but uh, it's it's just surreal right now to be listening to Mike and a professional athlete, a professional baseball player, talking about how, how much they love Frozen. Who are you talking to? Um, oh, the, the, the one with the trolls. Yes, that's a good one. I love them all. Are you, uh, are you, as it's playing, as you walk out, are you singing along in your head? Yeah, in my head, absolutely. I do have it. I do have the song starting at the point where where she's hitting the high notes. Okay. Where she said, "The past is in the past." That one. Let it go. That very. I sung. Are you happy? That I, was fantastic. I'm delighted. <laughs> Can I ask you, so uh, next up on our, our show, um, I can see we have a, a caller on the line uh, named Taylor. People on radio shows never get walk-up songs. Do you, do you just want to pick something for, for Taylor, and we'll, we'll play it before we go to his call? Is he a Pirates fan? Uh, let's just assume, yeah. Let's assume it's a Pirates fan? Yeah. Why not, why not just put Let It Go? All right. Okay. The past is in the past.
never bothered me anyway. All right, Taylor, uh, what, what can we help you with? Well, me and my good friend Theron have been having this debate for quite some time, and that is how to properly eat potato chips, rather open the bag. Okay. Um, I've believed for quite some time that you should open them from the bottom because then you get the first, you know, the first chips you eat are the best tasting. And then uh, it kind of redistributes the flavor for the rest of the bag. Wait, so what's your, what's your reasoning that the uh, opening from the bottom is going to get you a more flavorful chip? You know, that's where all the flavor sits. By the time you, you get done with the bag, some people like that last bite, that dumping it, you know, that last bit of powder and crumbs in your mouth at the end of the bag. But I, I like the good tasting ones first. Well, what did you say your friend's name was, sorry? Saren. Tell, tell us how an argument between the two of you goes. Usually I open the bag upside down. Um, then he looks at me, rolls his eyes, and then we start getting at it. He <laughs> he doesn't think it doesn't think it makes a difference. Um, maybe my taste buds are just a little bit more refined than his that I can taste the difference. So for us to try this out, we should maybe open one the regular way from the mm-hmm. top, but then also then the next one opens let's from not, the bottom. Let's not call it the regular way. We we're going to mm-hmm. decide what the regular way is. I, I, let's not prejudice <laughs> the the test already. I'm sorry if I'm being chipsist. Okay, so once we hang up with you, we're going to bring in our taste tester. Can can you and, and Theron agree that uh, his decision is final? Once uh, he says if there's a difference or not, that you guys will, won't fight about this anymore and get on with we, your friendship. We are ready to, to put our differences aside once this is settled. Are you sure you can speak for Theron on this? I... I've cleared it with him. Okay, so joining us now to test this out is our official taste tester, Peter Sagel. Uh, P- Peter, for this one, we, uh, we need to blindfold you. You'll, you'll just have to, to trust us here. No reason I wouldn't. At this point, what, what could we do that would be any worse than what we've already done? Th- that is a dangerous question to ask. Uh, what, what are you unwrapping? Nothing. Okay, so yeah. I'm uh I'm we're gonna give you we're gonna give you two bites. Yes. And the first thing we wanna know is can you tell the difference between them? Okay. All right. Here here's your first bite. Am I supposed uh, to open my mouth? You're actually no, yeah, no. no to reach in. Reach reach into what? Here. Okay. I'm reaching in here into a little packet and I'm pulling it with clearly a chip of some kind. Okay. Uh we we both hate chewing sound effects. So we'll we'll just put in something else here. Uh, okay. Okay, that was a potato chip. Okay. Okay. So that was a. T- uh, it had a flavor to it, right? Though there yeah. was a flavor that. But now, before you do this next one, I know you have a drink in front no. of you. Let's cleanse your palate. All right. All right. Now here, here's another bag. All right. Here we go. So this is this is this is another chip. Hmm. I think the second one was slightly saltier. All, All right. right. Really, Taylor. You are forever correct. Uh, so t- this is this has been a real argument for between Taylor and Theron, uh, and now it's settled, and they have agreed to uh, live by your ruling. Oh, so, so I've actually changed their life in a way. Taylor will go forward knowing that he was right. Yeah, uh, forever, and Theron um, is really he's going to be lost. I think for a while. It's tough. It's tough to be proved wrong. wrong. Whatever they gain in more flavorful chips, might they might lose in their friendship and, and trust. Well, Peter, thanks so much for, for helping these guys out. This was the least unpleasant. This was pleasant. I like potato chips. Good. This, I, feel, I feel somewhat 
disappointed in a way that this was so tasty and fine. Well, here, hold on a sec. If you have a question about how to open a bag of chips or any other kind of snack, send it to us at howto at npr.org. R- really, any, uh, any dispute you're having with your friend Theron, we, we will help you out with. Uh, our phone number also is 1-800-GAG-AXE-5. Our family has been chosen for a great task. To save the innocent. The innocent? The animals. Noah, starring Russell Crowe, is in theaters now. Also Hermione Granger. Now, if you were going to save all the animals on Earth in, in a big boat, what, what would that boat actually be like? Dr. Boris Worm is a marine biologist at Dalhousie University, and he's part of the team that figured out a good estimate for just exactly how many species there are on the planet. Boris, let's start there. What, what can you tell us? The answer to the number of species is 8.7 million plus minus 1.3 million. Wow. Yes, and not counting bacteria. But bacteria are so small that you could probably get all species into a small tank. Um, You know, you can have millions of individuals in the leader, given that they, well, hoping that they won't eat each other. (laughs) You'll, uh, you you don't have a lot of need, a lot of space for them. But then for the others, you will need space, and so for that, you would need you would need to know the average size of individuals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when you look at the global numbers of species and their average sizes, what you see is that on average, the average species is about one to 10 centimeters or half an inch to two and a half inches large. So the, the average animal is, is actually pretty tiny. Yeah. So most animals are small. So if you then would say, okay, for a pair of those, let's assume it needs um, an area like a cage or an enclosure of sure. 10 by 10 centimeters. That would be an absolute minimum um, for a species that is 1 to 10 centimeters tall. But let's just assume that. Um, uh, so it's a 10 by 10, it's 100 square centimeters. So um, 100 of them would fit into a square meter. So you would, for the 8.7 million, you would need um, 87,000 square meters, which is just under a million square foot. So if, if every animal was the average size, which they're not, but if they were all the average size, then and you would really squeeze them, it would be a million square foot. Which wow. that would, that's the size of your arc, I think. Well, okay, so taken uh, as a given that you, mm-hmm. you respect all the life on the arc, mm-hmm. uh, but let's say the lions get hungry mm-hmm. and you have only two each of every creature, Right. what would you feed the lion? <laughs> oh, I... I I don't know actually it's hard to say um well you know nobody's fond of rats maybe they okay. would go first start uh, with the rats start with the rats I and also you know I wouldn't think it would be too long into this boat ride before you would have you know uh hundreds of rabbits uh, yeah yeah that's true yeah so some animals are, rip- are much faster at reproducing the smaller animals um, on average are larger uh, faster at reproducing they could maybe feed some of the others. That's true. So maybe in terms when you're loading the ark, put the rabbits in first, give them a quiet space to kind of get doing what they need to do. <laughs> and then by the time you're done, you're going to have so many rabbits that you can start farming them out to, to feed well, the that, that, You know, that's an interesting idea in theory. But then um, where do the rabbits get their food from? You know, uh, oh. that's, that's the thing. You would have to bring more of 
two of each in order to feed the trophic pyramid. Or you would have to do it, you know, the very modern way and just bring the DNA for everybody. Then you would probably be okay with one cruise ship. How bad do you think that arc must have smelled after even just two or three days? Oh, God. It's hard to imagine, eh? I mean, the other thing is, yeah, it would smell bad because everybody's excrementing, but then we would run out of food very quickly, I guess. Yeah. And and then what do you do then? Then things will start dying and rotting, and that's pretty uh, bad smelling. I've been exposed yeah. to that. And um, so I think uh, it, it wouldn't be a very pleasant experience. Well, Dr. Worm, thank you so much for your time. That was great. Thank you. Now, now, one million square feet, I guess what we're talking about really is is just the deck of the ship where all the animals would be. If this were a cruise ship, this is where you'd place shuffleboard. And, and if you're wondering how big this is, that is equal to about six Carnival cruise ships. So let's get a cost estimate of how much it would cost to build a boat this big. Devil and Boat, Sam speaking. Hey, Sam. Uh, would, uh, you, you do the custom boats? Yeah, that's what we do. All day, every day. Well, we have what may be uh, kind of a strange request. If we were going to build a uh, an ark to save all of the species on Earth, we just got the number. We're looking at about a million square feet. Okay. Yeah. So the boarding ramp's going to have to be kind of strong, more than a two-by-six, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think so. Probably the biggest yeah. thing going up that is an elephant. That's going to cost you, you know. Well, we do, we do want to talk about that. If I do the math, looks like, what, $960 million. So under a billion, that's... Yeah, yeah, we, that, you know, we could, I mean, geez, Bill Gates could buy this darn thing. I'm not trying to say you guys don't have the money, and he'd still have, what, $76.8 billion left to take care of it. Wow. And it's purpose-made. So, um, I mean, you can go and you can buy any off-the-shelf container ship and mm-hmm. attempt to shove a bunch of animals into it. And, and you know, it may work actually fairly well, but it's not going to be the quality product that we can produce for you. Okay. Well, Sam, thank you so much. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll send you, I guess, uh, do you need some sort of down payment? Yeah, 10% down is, is the way we usually start this process. And uh, and then we we like to make monthly draws. And, you know, this is take more than a couple of months to build so yeah how long what do you, what's the timeline on this you think well that's you know I, I, that's that's the one that's kind of an interesting figure but i would plan on a couple year build schedule and you know quite quite a few people crawling over the boat okay and and you know remember we can paint it any color you want Joining us in the studio now is Jeff Garland, an actor you may recognize from Curb Your Enthusiasm, for one. He played a character named Jeff. Jeff Green. Uh, uh, also a documentary he produced uh, called Finding Vivian Meyer is in theaters now. Along with Noah. And so Jeff is going to answer some of your how-to questions. We'll get started with this one. It comes from Matthew. So Jeff, Ma- Matthew wants to know, uh, how do I get through faking that my wife's new baby niece is, is cute? Uh, avoid the situation as much as you can. Be in the other room. Yeah. Go for a walk. You think? I mean, is that there's going to be a moment where they're in close proximity and everyone's saying, "Oh, what an adorable baby!" And then you say, "What a beautiful baby!" Gotta go. 
All right. So that's maybe we could try it. So like, let's pretend Ian is a cute baby. Okay. He's my cute baby. Uh huh. And I, hey, Jeff, did you see Ian? Check him out. Hey, what? It's a beautiful baby. You're a lucky guy. Thanks. Oh my God, I have to get to Sweden. <laughs> what happened in Sweden? Uh, there's a puppet show. Here's a question from. Uh, this is from Abigail. And this is one you couldn't answer. Right. <laughs> okay. We wanted an expert. Okay. Uh, Abigail wants to know, how do I get my neighbor's dog to like me? Oh, see, it's Abigail? Abigail. The answer is you can't. Dogs, can I say bull detector? Sure. They have the bull detector. They know. See, dogs have it down. Yeah. Dogs run, and they don't think, I'm going to die someday. You know? They just think they want to go to the bathroom. They want to eat their food. They want to move on. And if they don't like you, they don't have the time, and there's not much you can do. They they live in the it's moment. It's not hopeless. It's not hopeless, but there's not as a neighbor, I don't see it working. So you say dogs have a good bullshit detector. Yes. What if um okay, knowing that then, yeah. what if a dog came up to you and said, "Hey, how cute do you think my puppy is?" What would you say? I would freak out that I was there was a talking dog in front of me. And by the way, all puppies are cute. There you go. All babies are not cute. All puppies, cute. Okay, good. There's one more here. Okay. Uh, Andrew Andrew wants to know, uh, how do I pick out the best Christmas tree? Ah, great question. Um, Being a Jew Mm -hmm. and have have never been to a Christmas tree, driven by a Christmas tree area, the pumpkin area is shortly thereafter replaced by the Christmas tree area. That's right. I would say, this is just me, mm-hmm. put on a Santa Claus outfit, walk into the area where they have all the trees, say to the, I was about to say headmaster, the uh, person in charge of the trees mm-hmm. and say, hello there, I'm Santa. You know, if you could point out the best tree here, that would make every little children's Christmas that much better. And I think that the person who runs the lot of Christmas trees will lead you to the baby, the beauty, the one yeah. that he thinks is the tree. So there's a lot of costuming involved. But around Christmas time, you can pick up a good Santa Claus sure. costume. They're all over. But And you have to make sure your voice, male or female, that you can get this. I'm Kris Kringle. And then you say, and then shortly thereafter you say, uh, and would it be possible for me not to pay because I'm Santa? And would you carry it to the back of my car? My back is a little sore and I'm worried about Christmas Eve. I'm worried about it. Please carry this beautiful tree to my car and don't charge me. And then after that's done, say, I'm so lonely. May I sit with you for a few minutes? Do you have any eggnog or such? And then you sit and you have a conversation with the Christmas tree guy, and you find out that he's the same guy as the pumpkin guy, and he's a little bit down. Pumpkins, it wasn't a good pumpkin season, yeah. and the Christmas trees didn't turn out the way he planned, and he was excited that Santa stopped by. And then uh, Santa, a little drunk from the eggnog, hits the road, crashes into a wall. Uh, but the bottom line is you've got a beautiful tree in the back of your car. Yeah. Yeah. But drinking and driving is not funny. That's my main point of that story. I think that's clear. So that's that's the point. The point is I don't care what you're dressed as, what you're carrying. You're not important enough to just say I can drink and I'll make my way home.
you know. Mm-hmm. So no drinking and driving. I think in all my answers that was a subtext. Don't drink and drive. I think we've we've helped a lot of people here today. Thank you. Oh, look at you. We heard from Julia. Julia says she listens to How to Do Everything while driving to high school. All right, Julia, these next 15 seconds are for you. Listen, all you want to do is ride around Saturday. Julia, keep, keep your hands at 10 and 2. Check your blind spot. Is that right, 10 and 2? I thought they'd revise that because the airbag will break oh, your yeah. arms off. Uh, Julia, keep your hands at 3 and 6. I don't think that's right. I think that's even worse. Check your blind spots. Uh, Just keep your hands off the wheel. Because don't if touch the, air, the wheel. If the airbag goes off, you're going to get hurt. Stay away from the wheel. That does it for this week's show. What would you learn, Ian? I, I learned that the boat uh, that you would have to build to carry all the world species w- would have to be in- enormous. It'd be the biggest cruise ship you've ever seen. I just hope uh, the animals could, could enjoy all that cruise ships have to offer. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if they would be able to take advantage of like the three different restaurants. Yeah, the all-you-can-hunt the all buffet. The only downside I see, though, is if, if you're paired up, because you know, it's, like, it's just two elephants, it's just two yeah. giraffes, if you're not friends with the other giraffe and you're a giraffe, you're going to be stuck with that guy and he's going to want to hang out with you for the entire 40 days and 40 nights. Yeah. You know, I'm going to uh, go hang with the dolphins. Yeah, cool. I'll come with you. I was thinking maybe later we could go, uh, go up top. Talk to Noah and Hermione. How to Do Everything is produced by Steven Tobias with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Seth Kelly. We actually uh, have two Seths this week uh, so that we can repopulate. Be fruitful, Seth. Thanks also this week to Mike Nothnagel for his math help. And our artist-in-residence is Justin Witte. Get us your questions at howto at npr.org. And visit our website, howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian Chillog. And I'm Mike Danforth. This is NPR.